Well, it's Thanksgiving Day here in the United States, and I want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. And some thoughts came to me here recently in light of Thanksgiving, particularly. And you can see, you know, <laughs> we tend to eat real well <laughs> on Thanksgiving Day, and and uh, families get together and uh, we feast like no other day. Basically, we feast like no other day. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to rejoice together. And, uh, you know, it's the Lord has kept us through the year and uh, in various ways. Obviously, the, the story uh, on the United States, for those that are outside the United States, the pilgrims had survived the winter time, uh, very extreme, lots of deaths ar uh, around the original pilgrims that, Limith, that uh, landed at Pilgrim, uh, Plymouth Rock, that is. But uh, that was the institution of giving thanks was based upon what God's mercies has been, right? Well, you know, today we're not landing on Plymouth Rock, and uh, most of us here in the United States are not, uh, are not starving, uh, to say the least, as well. So it's not necessarily that. There could be a lot of sorrow that is happening in other ways as well. So I had this little thought here that came to me, and I'm going to call it giving thanks after sorrow because obviously the original pilgrims had gone through lots of sorrow of losing loved ones and barely making it and such like that and then thankful for the crop that they were given. So I'd like to look at a woman in scripture real briefly here, a woman in scripture that is uh, goes through extreme sorrow and this is going to be Hannah and she goes through extreme sorrow in chapter one of first Samuel I'm going to highlight a couple verses of that, but more importantly, I want to go ahead and dive into her prayer of thanksgiving because that's where it is. And then I'm going to tiptoe over to the third chapter and look at the fruit of all of her prayers and her sorrow and her thanksgiving in her fruit. So let's jump right over there and look at first. Samuel. Okay. And so we're in the first chapter here. I have it up on the screen here. And I'm not going to go over the whole thing. I'm assuming you may know about the fact that this uh, man, uh, uh, Elkanah, I'm assuming that, you know, Elkanah, he had these two wives and he was a godly man. And he had these two wives, one of which was Hannah. And uh, we find there that she couldn't have children. And obviously, this was a big thing for, for a, a Jewish mother not to have children. And not only that, but we see that her, it says her rival or her, the other wife also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. And so the Lord was allowing Hannah to go through a particular trial here. And this was a big trial. And not only just going through the fact that she's the, the womb was closed, but also the fact is now she's being provoked and uh, severely, it says, and so to make her miserable. So, you know, year by year, this is going on and she's weeping and, and such like that. And she makes a vow and she goes and she's praying in the in the tabernacle that is over at Shiloh. And Eli is the is the high priest at that point, and he comes to her in verse uh, fourteen. He says, "How long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you." So now he's he's got his problems on her too, where he's assuming that she is drunk, and this poor woman is just of major sorrow, major sorrow, and there she is, and now the so called religious man is is now accusing her of being something that she's not. But I like to look at, I've highlighted Hannah's response here. It says, but Hannah answered 
and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I've poured out my soul before the Lord. Have you been in that position before? Have you been in a position where you have just poured out your soul to the Lord, probably with tears? You know, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing experience to go through from whatever sorrow that may be. These sorrows are coming along to give us strength, to test our faith. And so she says, do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. So she has poured out her soul unto the Lord. And we know that because of her actions there at the tabernacle. So anyway, that's, that is the depth, if you will, the depth of her sorrow is in chapter one. And so now that she gets a little boy, uh, his name is Samuel. And now we can read here in, uh, of her prayer in the second chapter. So this is 1 Samuel chapter 2. And I'm going to read this because here's a prayer of thanksgiving. If this is a Thanksgiving day for you, you know, this is a prayer of a, of a, a woman of faith that poured out her soul to the Lord for a problem that was making her exceedingly sorrowful. And now she says in verse 1, And Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? The fact is, is that she can, she doesn't, she, the enemies aren't, she's not caught up with the enemies. She's rejoicing in God's salvation. It's a beautiful thing in the outlook of when we are sorrowful, when we are sorrowful, what is our attitude? Verse 2, no one is holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you, there, nor is there any rock like our God. Take no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from my mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. You know, that's the beautiful thing is, is she's a prime example of casting everything over to the Lord, and he is going to be the, the judge. He's going to be the by him actions are weighed. Verse four, the bows of the mighty men are broken for those who are stumbled are girded with strength. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread and the hungry have ceased to hunger. This is the Thanksgiving day that we have so much to eat and we've gone through that sorrow. If you've gone through a time of sorrow this year, it is a time of rejoicing to looking up to the Lord and rejoicing and giving thanks for what he has taught you for what he has brought you through. Even the barren have borne seven, and she who has many children has become feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. I'm going to stop right here for just a second here. Have you lost a loved one this year? Has the Lord taken a loved one of yours and take it, put up pit him or her into the grave? It's a solemn thing. I've had that happen twice here in the last three months. And, well, fortunately, in both instances, the soul knew the Lord Jesus as their Savior and rejoiced in that. And I know that soul is with the Lord Jesus because they trusted in the Lord Jesus as their Savior to wash their sins away. And so I have full confidence in both of these individuals but yet at the same time, we still put the bodies in the grave. The bodies are in the grave. The soul's with the Lord. And so we're waiting for that resurrection day. And, 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 it, and as Hannah is saying here too, 
Hannah's saying here is she's saying, she says, uh, he brings low and lifts up. So just remind ourselves that even though we're putting a soul in the ground, it's not a soul, it's a body now. The soul is with the Lord, is that the Lord will reunite them at some day. So it's a beautiful thing that we can rejoice even in putting a loved one's body in the ground. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap he, to set them among princes, to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to the king, to his king, and will exalt the horn of his, his anointed. Just stop right there on verse 10. Isn't that interesting? Hannah is getting a little snippet here. She's getting a little snippet of the fact that, you know what? God is going to have his king, his king, the Lord Jesus, the very one that is rejected right now. God is still going to have his king, the Lord Jesus, on his own throne someday, and he will be anointed. You know, he's cast out right now. He is king. He is king, but he's cast out. The world said 2,000 years ago, away with him crucify him well there's a day and you know it's something interesting it may not be that far away it may not be that far away when the lord jesus will come back with his saints and establish his kingdom but anyway hannah's getting giving giving us a little glimpse of this then it says then alcana went to his house at ramah but the child ministered to the lord before the priest so there's hannah's faith Hannah's faith is the fact is, is that she, she was in sorrow. She mourned, she prayed, and then she was mocked. She was, she was prodded by her, the other wife. And then she was mocked by Eli, the priest. And yet her faith was abundant and God came through and listened. But the woman had enough faith to say, if you give me a son, I'm going to give him back to you. And that's what she did. So the little boy, she dresses him up and off to the to, to the tabernacle where where if you can read the end of chapter two, why in the end of chapter two is is such that you'll find that it's a very evil place and uh, it's it's worthy of noting the fact is that took an act of faith to to um, to uh, send that little boy into such a corrupt environment. The religious realm was corrupt at that time. So now I'd like to focus on real briefly here, the fruit, okay? So thus far, Hannah has been in sorrow and in anguish in chapter one. She's in thanksgiving, the first part of chapter two. And now let's look at chapter three, just a snippet of the fruit of it, okay? So this is the little, this is the little son, uh, little boy, Eli, and he's, and it says in, in verse one, I want to focus in on one. Can we read that there? Let me pull that down a little bit. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. I'm telling you, dear believer friend, that is exactly the same thing today. The word of the Lord is scarce today. What we think is the word of the Lord is not the word of the Lord out there. I'll tell you that. That's very, very interesting. When you take a, pick up the word of God, you study the word of God, and you see what's going on, the two do not mesh together. 
The word of God is stating something different than what's going on, and what's going on is stating something different than this in the word of God. So let's, this is the day that, that uh, little Samuel was uh, living in. When we know the story, you know, the story is, is the fact is, is that, you know, Samuel's laying down as a little boy and the Lord says, Samuel, and he goes, here I am, you know, and he thinks Eli is, is talking to him, you know, and that's verse four and verse five. And Eli says, I, I didn't call you. I didn't call you. Right. And verse six, the Lord called again, Samuel. I'm just assuming it's a deep voice. <laughs> and he says, here I am back to Eli. He just pitter patters back to Eli. And Eli says, do not lay down again. Now, Eli is thinking now, Eli hasn't had the word of the Lord to him. Now he's thinking now that this boy keeps running into him at night saying, I, I, did you call? Did you call? And then um, Eli rightly says something like the Lord, the Eli perceived the Lord had called the boy. Okay. So he says, when you go down, ask to say, speak Lord for your servant hears. Okay. And then he goes, runs back down. And then uh, in verse 10, the Lord came and stood and called at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak for your servant hears. You know, that is an interesting response. His mother, his mother, we don't, I don't think we're ever told of his mother again, but her mother, his mother raised him, raised little Samuel to have faith in all of her, after all of her anguish, after her Thanksgiving and such, she raised that little Samuel to recognize the fact that he could hear the voice of the Lord. Now it was, it was a learning process for Samuel but the Lord then comes through, and you can read it for yourself, chapter 3. You can read it for yourself how Samuel gets a word from the Lord that no one else gets as a young boy. The word of the Lord was scarce in those days. And I'm telling you, the word of the Lord is scarce today. Just to continue on with, with Samuel, why we see that, um, we see that uh, you know, it's, the, Samuel becomes one of the biggest, biggest, uh, men in scripture, right? I mean, it's amazing to see how much Samuel was. And so anyway, I just, I'm just rejoicing in Hannah. I'm rejoicing in where she went from chapter one to chapter two. And then I'm rejoicing the fact that after all that fruit comes out and the, one of the mightiest men in the old Testament, Samuel arises out of it. All right. So I hope that helps. I hope that helps giving thanks after sorrow, giving thanks after sorrow. And we go through times of sorrow for a purpose to fall on our faces before the Lord and the Lord can come and bless us. The Lord can come and speak to us. The Lord can give us a, a, a blessing like Samuel. It's all very possible when we, when we are in dependence upon the Lord. And with that, may you have a happy Thanksgiving May it be uh, joyful. May we be able to reflect back on, on really not only just the not only just the physical the physical stuff that the Lord gives you, and not so much that even because that all goes away. It's how about your blessings? How about your blessings in Christ? If you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, how about your blessings in Christ? He's in the glory and He's waiting for you if you know Him as your Savior. If you don't know Him as your Savior. Now, this is, a, this is a problem. If you don't know him as your Savior, if you haven't come and repented before him, came falling on your knees privately and say, Lord, save me from my sins. Ah, now there's some tremendous thanksgiving to get after that. In fact, 
the scripture says, and you can read, look it up in Luke 15, all heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. So with that, my name is Mark Rogers, just signing off. Have a happy Thanksgiving. The Lord is so good, and we are waiting for his kingdom very soon.